Hello and welcome to What a Screen, the horror movie podcast where I, your host, Grain, chats with a special guest every week about horror films. And in particular, we discuss two films that have to do with a certain subject or topic that I have previously randomly chosen. Now, I know, I know this week's episode is so late. Um, it has been so hot here and, you know, the thing of just not wanting to do anything and also having a bit of sinus trouble. So I didn't want to sound too gross for you, but fuck it. Here I am. Body horror and all. Um, so this week is all about uh, cults and horror that contains cults. Um, it's a very interesting subject. It can come from a multitude of lenses, such as um, the typical satanic cult we see in a lot of films like Rosemary's Baby. It can also come from true, kind of inspired by true events, um, such as uh, Kevin Smith's Red State with like militant religious cults um there's lots and lots of ways to approach this subject within the horror genre which makes it such a good topic to talk about um so my guest this week is Bradley Ryan and together we are chatting about two films that contain cults so the first film is Ty West's The House of the Devil from 2009 and then we are chatting about Apostle from 2018 featuring extreme um eye candy Dan Stevens uh directed by Gareth Evans uh so enjoy this week's chat about cults so I would like to welcome to the podcast for the very first time, Bradley Ryan. How are you? Hi, hello. I am good. Just enjoying a beautiful spring day in Atlanta, Georgia. That sounds fabulous. I am recording at nearly midnight, um, <laughs> but it's okay. I'm very awake, funnily enough. <laughs> um, so would you like to introduce yourself and let our listeners know who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. Um, hello, I'm Bradley. Um, I have been a lifelong horror fan. Um, I run a lovely horror apparel shop called Scream Queen Shop. Uh, I almost said the wrong name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> weirdly, with it being my store and all. Um, and I just, I love, I love the Scream Queen. I love uh, championing the heroes of the movies that don't get as much focus as, um, say, like Freddy and Jason. Uh, I love Nancy and I love Alice and Lori and um, that's kind of what I love to do. I also am like a lifelong, um, not to be incredibly stereotypical as a gay man. I love Barbie. Uh, <laughs> I love, I love fashion dolls. I love um, that entire world. So I like to kind of mesh those two worlds together and um, it's fun. It's exciting. And it fills kind of a place in horror where everything's always like, you know, black t-shirts and slashers. I'm like, no, let's make it cute. Let's have fun. Let's like be adorable. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Like I obviously had a look at your apparel site and I love that because like I I kind of resonate with that because I have, I always say I have two sides to me. I have like the gothic kind of, you know, really into goth, really into horror, gore, grossness. But I also fucking love Disney. Like, mm -hmm. And I fucking love being at Disneyland and being glittery and bright pink and sparkles. And like, you never see them interlock. You never get right? to see things like that overlap. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I definitely get where you're coming from. Um, who's your favorite screen queen? Um, I mean, not to be predictable, Sydney Prescott is kind okay. of she's my my jam. She's the the character I really love. But I also really love Jenny from um, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. I okay. really or Jenny. I think it's pronounced Jenny because it's G I. Um, I I literally because it's Friday the Thirteenth. Um, I watched that today. Uh, don't tell my boss. And <laughs> <laughs> it was. It's just like it's. She's one of those characters that really just sticks with you. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you get into horror? And what was the first horror film you ever saw? Um, I had um, one of those parents that a lot of us had who didn't really monitor what I was watching. Um, so I, the first movie I can remember ever watching is Child's Play 2, um, which maybe is why I love dolls in a weird way. But um, I just remember it so vividly because it's such a bright movie. It's so colorful. And it's so, it's just such a, a mood, a vibe. Like that movie is very specifically that movie. Um, and I was hooked. Like I, I know Blockbuster is probably not relevant to a lot of the younger audience members, but I remember <laughs> every weekend going to Blockbuster. And if I couldn't figure out what I wanted, I would get Child's Play 2. And it started a lifelong kind of obsession with Chucky and um, just horror in general. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I said this a billion times. I'm so jealous of people that get to like get into horror from a young age because my parents mm -hmm. were the opposite. I wasn't allowed to watch things um, because my imagination was so wild and I'd be up all night with nightmares if I even thought about something. Like someone told me the premise of it once when I was really young and I didn't sleep for weeks. Yeah, like, I don't blame you for that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I could think of one. They were like, they they really put an emphasis on like a clown coming out of a drain. And I was just mm -hmm. like, ah, I can't walk on the road anymore. <laughs> you take such a vital part of life away from me. <laughs> so it's weird because I, I think about it now and I'm like, oh my gosh, my mother was crazy. Like, because even I think up until I was like 13, I was still kind of afraid of Chucky. I remember forgetting a... um. There's a store here in the U.S. I'm sure it's it's probably every, or a type of store like this everywhere. It's like a novelty shop with a bunch of horror stuff, but like a, a lot of adult things. Um, and they had a Chucky and Tiffany from Bride of Chucky. And my mom got them for me for Christmas that year because she's like, oh, he'll love this. I was terrified of those dolls in my room. And I was 13. So I, at one point, just put them in my closet. And I was like, if they're in here they're fine it's fine but I, I couldn't bring them out i couldn't like take them out of the closet it freaked me out so much and i remember having like a vivid nightmare about it i was like bradley you are you are almost in high school you need to <laughs> you gotta calm down chucky's not real you know it's not real but just the sight of it is still terrifying it's so funny how like when we think about these pivotal points in our kind of childhood horror journey and how it still affects us kind of later on like i like the it thing i'm still kind of petrified of clowns i don't mm -hmm. i don't trust them i'm okay with like you know if i watch a movie with a killer clown in it i'm like okay i i don't mind them because i know their intention but it's those fuckers that go to kids parties right yeah the the non-killer clowns are oddly scarier i don't fucking trust them not a fucking beat not at all. And also China dolls. Not a fan of China dolls. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Get uh, my, my friends and I bought um, a China doll that we would, we made a game out of hiding it in each other's uh, apartments uh, just to scare each other. And we named her Lucy. And it was, it's honestly horror fans. It's a great game because it will, 
it, it's fun, but it will also scare the shit out of you. <laughs> like, it's it's really great. That would fuck me up. Like yeah, that it would was, proper fuck me up. <laughs> it was a lot. It was definitely. Um, it made getting into the car weirdly. We always chose cars. We always chose each other's cars because, like, you just don't notice it until you're in the middle of driving. You're like, oh my god, it's in the back seat. <laughs> um, we likely could have caused a lot of traffic problems, but um, it was great. It was a great game. <laughs> It's a great way to pass the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> small small towns, you know, you got to do something. <laughs> okay, so let's um, chat about our subject for today, yes. which is cults in horror. Um, so what did you think when I approached you with this subject? Um, it's timely. Um, I grew up in a very, uh, I don't want to say straight, it was in a very involved church and um, I left it when I was in my early 20s because I was like, mm, kind of gay, sorry. Um, <laughs> and um, just recently, a friend of mine sent me a news article that they have officially been classified as a cult. <gasps> oh, my and, God. Um, it's, it, it's a church that stems from Australia. It's called the C3 Church. I don't mind calling them out. And in Australia, Current Edition did like a four-part miniseries on them. They are officially classified as a cult. Multiple psychological podcasts have done stories on them. Um, and I'm I'm like sitting here processing it. And I I was talking to my husband. I was like, it's so funny. Like, we used to joke about me growing up at a cult. He's like, babe, you were the only one who thought it was a joke. We all knew it was real. <laughs> oh, you poor baby <laughs> angel. You poor sweet baby angel. It's oh, it's, it's so it's a lot to process. And then um when we were talking about the podcast, and you're like, oh, the subject's cults. It's like <laughs> how timely. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, you could was, not make that up. Like that is some six cent shit right there. <laughs> it was it was like at first it's like, oh no. But then I was like, you know what? It's <laughs> If anything, it's like watching these movies is a great way to like. You could have had it so much worse. Uh, so oh my God. I'm like, I kind of feel like I'm better from it. But um, that could be the cult talking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that could be the programming talking. <laughs> the programming. Uh, I mean, I still wear the shoes. I still drink the juice. So, <laughs> but I was excited. I lo- I live for um, a cult movie. Yeah. Uh, current things notwithstanding. Uh, <laughs> I even wrote, um, I was in a writing group for after Scream 4 came out and I wrote a, an entire treatment for the fifth movie. And I was like, I want it to be like a Billy Loomis cult. Um, I just love the idea of, and again, I, I don't know, it's a reflection on life. I, I think cults are so fascinating. Um, I think cult mentality is really fascinating because you are so ingrained in something that you don't, it's like, it's just not registering that they're talking about awful things. Um, and so to see a movie, I feel like there's not many movies that do cults well. A lot of it feels very schlocky. Um, yeah. So I was excited. I was excited to dive into it. Yeah. I I am also fascinated with cults. And just like you're fascinated with the psychology and the mentality behind cult leaders as well as cult followers. Mm. Um as well, I grew up in a very Catholic country, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the Catholic Church is one of the biggest cults in the world, yeah. if not the biggest cult oh, in the world. You said it, not me. So I am fascinated as well as truly horrified because I could never, I say this, I could never imagine following a cult because A, I hate authority. Mm. B, I hate people telling me what to do. Um, (laughs) 
But I can also see how, especially because cults kind of prey on vulnerability, mm-hmm. how someone can fall into a cult, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to, like, um, not to get too Freudian, it goes back to the animal instincts of wanting a pack and, like, wanting to be a part of something and have stability. Um, so it's it makes perfect sense that they, somebody would find that in a place that is so manipulative. So it's, like, tenfold over. I mean, um, not to get too political, but, I mean, look at America right now. There's kind of, like, a large cult-like situation happening. Mm. Um, and it's powered by... Uh, a cult leader that for some reason um, people can buy into it. Um, But it's true. I, it is, it's almost, I don't want to say you don't want to blame them for doing bad things because it is all based in manipulation. Um, But it is, it's so intriguing to think of that line. Like what line do they think? Oh, this isn't bad. And it's like, Oh, this is, this is awful. And I should not be doing this. Yeah. And I guess that is wherein the horror lies for Mm -hmm. cults. Um, Is that at what point do you realize that this is terrible? (laughs) Like this is not right. Like, uh, and it's just that feeling of not, and also from an outside perspective, not being able to kind of wake people up to the fact that they're in a cult. Right. It's, it's so difficult um, because you're like, just just like you just need like fresh air. You just need to come up from it for a second and think about it rationally. But when someone is so ingrained in a way of thinking, they are the ones who are thinking rationally and you're not. So it's it's almost like two sides of the same coin fighting for each other. Exactly. Um, so let's begin with our film choices. So I'm mm-hmm. going to let you start. Would you like to introduce your choice and... Give us a brief synopsis, please. Yeah, um, I chose House of the Devil by Ty West. Um, And it is, uh, it's a 70s inspired horror movie. It was filmed in modern time um, about a young woman who takes a babysitting job that turns out to be uh, essentially a cult sacrifice. Like she she ends up becoming um, like a tool for a cult and it's all a ruse. Uh, It's, it's terrifying <laughs> just the idea that um it could be uh I, I i don't know how far i'm supposed to get into the plot but um it's it's oh, oh both of these movies really shook me yeah i mean ty west likes his cults doesn't he i mean he's done he um the sacrament which is it's it's funny because i was like when we were chatting about what films we were doing mm-hmm. i was kind of like you said ty west's house of the devil and i was like oh i was kind of looking at ty west's the sacrament as well and it's kind of funny that he's done two films that both cover cults but from very different perspectives very mm-hmm. different lenses um so house of the devil it's it kind of uh, preys on the whole satanic panic mm-hmm. that happened back in the 80s. Um, and I think it does a good job of kind of displaying what these fears were, that you could just be yeah. like this poor little innocent babysitter going to someone's house and all of a sudden you're being sacrificed to Satan. Like It is. Um, it's wild. I, I just watched, I watched it again recently for the podcast. It's something that I loved when I had first seen it. Um, and the, the way they do it is it's so, I don't, I hate saying atmospheric cause it sounds so basic, but like they, he draws it out. He takes his time. He really takes it on. And the, just the peripheral 
news about the um, eclipse through the whole movie. And it's like, it's, it's all the, it's there. It's so there. And then when you see that first glimpse where she hears the noise and she, and she like is thinking about looking in the bedroom and then you see what's in the bedroom and it's yeah. the family that's been sacrificed. It's like, Oh my God, just open the door, just open the door and then leave. Just open the door and see it and get out. Yeah. It also- in general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get out, get out, get out. Um, and it's the fact as well that it preys on, as we said, someone who is vulnerable. You know, she's broke; she cannot mm-hmm. pay her rent, and she has to take this job, even though she has a bit of trouble getting it in the beginning because the guy's like, "Oh, I was going to go with someone else, but you know, I guess I'll go with you." But there's still that element of preying on the vulnerable and kind of. Um, appealing to that side of needing money mm-hmm. for shelter uh which is something that cults in real life do yeah she's a young woman she is a, a person in need she needs um to be helped she needs help she needs a family she needs structure and the idea that um he also lied to her but he frames it like a oh poor me i wasn't able to do this and this was so hard and he's preying on her vulnerability again of just being a nice person where she's like all right fine and then like doubles the price Mm. and it's like no like i loved seeing she has a best friend in the movie Mm -hmm. who is like the voice of reason uh and she's like no it's shady as fuck like we need to leave like (laughs) i just i i was i didn't notice it the first time i'd watched it probably because I didn't know what was happening. When you watch the movie the second time around, it really is a different movie. Mm. Um, and I think that's that's true of a lot of movies that have like a shock ending. Yeah. Where the, you're like, oh my gosh, all the clues are there. Everything is there. And you're like, oh, yeah. the best friend was so smart. She kept telling her, no, no, no. Yeah. He lied to you. He's still lying to you. Yeah. Oh, it's mean, insane. I mean, it's funny because there are so many, like, she has so many chances to not go what mm-hmm. with the best friend, what with even him being like, oh, I don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's like she just keeps on trying and it's, it, you just feel so bad for her because you're like, oh, the first obstacle, you should have just given up. <laughs> it's like, girl, just go work at a Burger King. Like, <laughs> The lady with the apartment was so nice. I'm sure you could work something out with her. Like, she was so lovely in the beginning. <laughs> and you're just like, Ugh, that poor girl. And even then, at the end, she sacrifices herself over mm. all of it. I don't, it's not super successful, but um, it's it. he does a really great job at making sure you know she is a good person. Mm. Like, she is. she's very nice. She seems very hopeful. She's got that, like, quiet sweetness to her. Yeah. Um, but also she is in need. Like you said, she's very vulnerable because of yeah. that. She is very much the archetypal final girl, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. isn't she? Um, and then obviously we have the kind of trick ending where we think that she's not the final girl, but then it turns out she is, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of like. It kind of, I mean, she's the she's the final girl kind of, but not really because she does get fucked over royally in the yeah. end. Um, what do you think are its influences? I mean, it to say the um, late 70s, it lives in the grain of this movie is an understatement. Mm. Um, I think Ty West he really does understand the small nuances of vintage horror mm-hmm. um, because this and watching X recently, like he understands the small things like the, 
the idea I, I give it I think of it like a lazy movement of like you don't move the camera you just let someone move in the frame mm-hmm. um those slow pans the, it even looks kind of grainy like yeah. he so detailed and I think that that is kind of building a world around her and it, it just yeah. makes it it just makes it feel like you are actually watching a vintage movie mm. and there's that scene where she's walking around and it's quiet and it's the lone girl in the big dark house with a knife in her hand looking mm. for the weird noise. And it just, it just feels, I don't want to say like, it like warms my heart, but it's like the horror lover in me is like, Oh, this is, this is it. This is the dream is like the sweet young girl looking for the scary noise in the house. It's just, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's very well executed. It could seem schlocky, but it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's very much an ode to retro horror. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it wasn't, it wasn't massively popular. Like it, it was like, it was quite kind of celebrated as when it came out, but then it seemed to like disappear into obscurity almost. I feel um, like that with a lot of his movies. Like, um, yeah. I think the innkeepers, I loved the innkeepers and I remember mm. it being very talked about and now it's, you know, it's just kind of there. It's, it's a movie yeah. that like when you watch it, it's a hidden treasure, but nobody talks about it. Yeah, I feel like, you know why? I feel like because his storylines aren't anything new, but Mm -hmm. because he's more of an atmospheric, visual kind of director where it's like he's a mood. Mm -hmm. He's he's not quite a story. He's a mood. Um, And that's the way I kind of feel about House of the Devil because, to be honest, I had completely forgotten about it until you were like, oh, let's do it for this. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that film. Um, and I remember even the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's all right. And then immediately forgot about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately. I, I agree. Same. I um, I have this is maybe the third time I've watched it since it's come out. And I'm a I'm a big repeat watcher of movies, um, even if it's just like background noise. Um, but I, I love how it's, you made such a great point where it's it's not a story. It's not this salacious event. It is it's a vibe. He's like submerging you in the atmosphere of this movie. Um, and you really do feel it when you're watching it. Like you really, it, it does feel, I would say specific to his films. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, which I find quite different from his other cult film, the sacrament, because that is all about story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a found footage film, documentary style, um, basically based on the Jim Jones um cult Mm -hmm. i can't remember the name of um and it's about these guys this film crew that are going into this cult um one of their sisters is in it and he's basically trying to get her out but they also want to explore this cult and it goes down exactly like the what was it the the jonestown massacre where they mm-hmm. they drink the Kool-Aid and everyone dies and it's terrible. Um, and that is all about story. That is all about a narration and displaying what modern day cults are kind of mm-hmm. like. So it's kind of fun. I haven't seen X yet, so I don't. I, I, I wanted to watch it before this podcast, but I just didn't get around to it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm wondering how X kind of is that in the middle or is it one of more or the other? I, I don't know. I don't want to spoil it for you, but okay. um, <laughs> it's it's Ty West. It's Ty West. Okay. It's very Ty West. <laughs> it is a very Ty West. But I, I don't know. Did you ever watch the Scream TV show? No, I didn't. No. He directed the finale for the first season. Okay. 
and it is it's a lot like sacrament it's very story it's um and there is atmosphere to it but he brings a very 90s horror atmosphere like uh i remember when it aired i was like this feels the most like scream like he really captured i so maybe maybe since this was one of his earlier i think this was one of his earlier films maybe that story has developed in his filmmaking um because i know the innkeepers is also very vibey it's very much atmosphere. Um, there is a story, but it's not, I want to say it's not the forefront of what's happening. It's the, the inn that they are keeping. <laughs> that is, <laughs> that is the, just the feeling of it. Yeah. yeah. So are you more of a fan of the satanic cult or modern day, what we know as cults? Uh, that's hard. Cause I feel like they are, they're so different. Like I, I think that's why I really love house of the devil is because it is um, like a parent's worst nightmare of satanic panic. It's what it's, it's almost like it's a cliche of what a cult is. Um, And I eat that up. I love it. I love the idea of it just being like a run of the mill satanic sacrifice cult. Um, But the modern cult I think is scarier because it is, it's not based on an idea. It's like, oh no, this is real and it happens and this is how it happened. And I think to me that is, that's much scarier. It's like Halloween versus Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, Nightmare on Elm Street's scary, but like Halloween's like, yeah, but a guy really could just come into your house and kill you. Like <laughs> there's, there are two sides of the same kind of culty coin. And I, I really like, you know, actually, and now saying it out loud, I think I do like the the satanic kind of, Cause it's removed. It's, it's, there's a little safety watching it. Whereas like with a real cult when, um, I'll get to it when we talk about your movie, but there's a part in that where I was like, no, I, uh, I need to pause this. (laughs) Too real. Too much. Okay. Yeah. Like I don't get me wrong. I love a good satanic cult. Like I Mm -hmm. love satanic cults in horror. It's possibly like up there as one of my favorite subgenres of film is satanists and satanic cults. But like you said, that is what, if you said to someone, I'm in a cult, they do expect you to go around in big robes, sacrificing (laughs) animals and blah, 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 blah. And that's how people get trapped in what actual cults are because they don't realize it's a cult because there's no animal sacrifice. There's no robes. They're like fun pop music just from experience. Like it's, yeah, the, when you think of cult, it's exactly what you said. You think of robes, you think of chanting and like secret underground rooms. And um, I think of the, uh, the cult in Halloween five where they're like all in those robes and it's just so dramatic and over the top. And I'm always here for a dramatic costume moment, especially a reveal, but yeah, like it's the, the scary part of a modern cult is that it's like, it is so easily to hide, easily hidden. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So would you recommend uh House of the Devil to horror fans? I would. I I genuinely would. Um I think horror fans especially would love it because there are so many references. I guess the best is atmospheric references. Um and also some of the actors in this movie have gone on to be kind of staples in the genre. Um, the, the guy with the beard, um, I don't know if he's ever given a name. I'm sure he is. And I'm just flaking on it. I just know he's the hot guy that my husband and I talk about. Uh, <laughs> he's in like your next in, um, he's been in other movies and, um, the lead is from the insidious movies now. And, um, I think she was also in, um, Dr. Sleep. 
So it's like these are regular faces in horror now. Um, so yeah, 100% I would recommend it. Especially if it's like a, a creepy dark fall night. It's a perfect creepy dark night movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I completely agree with you there because because of that atmosphere. Like it is mm-hmm. such a great creepy night uh, film. Definitely. Um, so let's move on to my choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I chose Apostle, which is a 2018 period horror film written, directed and edited by Gareth Evans. Um, and it is it revolves around this guy called Thomas who travels to um, an isolated Welsh island that is kind of was set up by these three convicts who were kind of sent to the island as convicts were in that time. Um, and they've kind of formed this cult. And his sister, Jennifer, has been kidnapped and held for ransom by this cult because they have run out of money to pay for their animal sacrifices. Um, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous saying it out loud. So they're holding her for ransom because they come from quite a wealthy family. So Thomas goes and he poses as a, a convert to try and infiltrate the cult and rescue his sister. While there, he realizes that this cult is centered around a goddess who is the life force of the island and the uh, blood sacrifices are given to her so the island becomes fertile. Um, and then, like all good horror, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Literally. Um, so what did you think of Apostle? Um, so I don't want to be negative. Uh, I enjoyed <laughs> it, but I would not watch it again. Okay. Um, I, first and foremost, Dan Stevens plays Thomas. And hey. I can look at that man for such a long time. <laughs> um, but this was... Uh, horrifying like and i obviously it's a horror movie mm-hmm. um but like spoiler alert like the goddess was real i was fully not expecting that i thought it was all just like he michael sheen who plays like the cult leader was just a crazy man i thought like oh well you know probably um but yeah it was it where ty west did a really great vintage atmospheric um, kind of submerges you in that emotion. I think Apostle did a really good job at, and this, this might sound negative, but I mean it in a positive, submerging you in the grime and grit of that world. Like, it it felt dirty. Um, but, like, and I mean, like, physically. Like, it felt physically dirty. It felt like you could... You could fathom what that place feels like to be there and to like there was a weird giddiness of the people which um juxtaposed to dan stevens um kind of dour approach to everything it felt it was off-putting in the right way because you're like oh no they're all oh they're they're all in (laughs) they're they're like ready for this they're happy to do it they're all happy and it's it's very off-putting because you're already set up with the premise that it is a cult on an island so when you get there it's not like a mystery of oh what's going on here it's you already know what's going on so it to me it was that much scarier yeah i mean i've i saw it kind of um 
said that it's similar to the Wicker Man, but the mm-hmm. Wicker Man, you don't realize it's a cult till the end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're the villagers are all quite good at hiding their intentions, whereas here, from the get go, it's it's a cult. Like you know, um, this was actually my third time trying to watch it. I tried to watch it twice before, and I'm not good with slow burners because it is. It's it's a very slow burn. Very slow burn. Um, I'm not good with slow burners. I have a really bad attention span. Um, so unless things are happening, my attention's gone. Um, but yes, it's very much like the Wicker Man in a way, I guess, that like the action and the horror doesn't really start until the like towards the end. We've yeah, got this yeah. big, tense, slow buildup, which is fine. I guess they've got to like lay the story and... You know, I just, yeah, I think sometimes it was too long of a build-up. Yes, I agree. It, um, I think that, I, I hate to constantly compare it to House of the Devil, but I watched them together. So, like, House of the Devil had, it was a slow, it was a build-up, but it was like, it was almost like the turning of a screw. Like, it was a ratcheting effect. It was tense. Like, you could tell something was happening. And there was atmosphere to kind of carry you along. Whereas this one, I feel like it was more, you know something bad is going to happen. But the tension wasn't there for me. Like, I was like, I mean, I know something bad's going to happen because everything looks bad. So, like, I was like, it, it feels like bad. So, I think if they had gone the Wicker Man route and not been so I guess, creepy up front, like, I think that it would have maybe been a better, a better climb to that climax. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely liked the way it portrayed the kind of the setup of the cult as it were, you know, you've got these men who are the head of the cult and one mm-hmm. is the face of the cult, basically, mm-hmm. the the Michael Sheen character. Um, but they've all got their wicked kind of lies and their secrets and they're all, even though they act very pious, they're all absolute arseholes, which most mm-hmm. cult leaders are. Like, let's not yeah, lie. Yeah, yeah, 100%, yeah. Um, and the fact that it's all built on basically using and exploiting a femme female character which the Mm. goddess um which a lot of cults do they do exploit women Women. and children you know Mm. um so i kind of liked that setup i just wish because they had like a few moments of really good like freaky horror with the goddess mm-hmm. and um who's the minion the the oh, what is he called uh the uh, big... quinn is it quinn no. Sorry. No. um the grinder yes yes um so they had a few really good horror moments and i just wish they played a bit more on that yeah i, I kind of wish that they hadn't shown those three leaders dark side so soon because it's almost as soon as he gets to the island, you see that they are sketch. Um, I just wish they had played with the the light side of things first. Uh, but one thing I will give them credit for is the reason his sister or, or um, Thomas's sister is on the island is not because she joined the cult. Um, I like that she is she is fully there against her will for such a petty reason as like <laughs> they want ransom to buy 
sacrifices. Uh, to me, that is such an, an, a weirdly original, like, premise. Because it's always like, oh, the sister's in a cult. We have to, I mean, Sacrament, you just said, we have to go rescue her. She's fallen into a cult. It's like, no, she also doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Like, she she would love to leave. Mm, <laughs> yeah. So what did you think of, like, the symbolism of the goddess being, you know, the, the island itself and what Dan Stevens' character eventually becomes? I think... <laughs> I love that he eventually kind of like takes her place. Um, it's this idea of like, he had this higher faith and he's been broken uh, because, and, and to me in a higher view with it, like they broke into another land to try to claim it in their religion and he was beaten down for it. And I feel like now the, the three um, heads of this cult have done the same thing. They broken into another land and they beat down the goddess so they could have this space. Uh, so the idea that like Quinn or Quinn, uh, Thomas, who is broken down and now becoming the goddess, it's there's a mirroring there that I don't know if I can quite put into words of like, they were both broken down in the name of somebody else's need. Um, only Thomas was the, to me, the offender in his situation, whereas the goddess was the offended. Mm-hmm. So he is ultimately taking her place as yeah. the person who, I don't say it's it's not retribution, mm. but there's there's a symbolism there, and I I hate that I can't find the words to express it. Yeah. Um, but it is it's like a tragic poetic ending. Like it is it's this mm. idea of like he's he has come full circle by becoming that person. Yeah. Do you think it has a message about white colonialism? I mean, I hope so. I hope it, <laughs> it comes across that way. Yeah. Um, what's it's funny you say that because the entire. I know we're supposed to be moved by this monologue of his of how he lost, lost God and lost this. I'm like, well, maybe you shouldn't have gone to that land to force your religion down their throat. I have no sympathy <laughs> for you. Like, I'm like, this is a modern movie. You guys couldn't find a better reason. Like, he couldn't have gone through a plague and prayed for some kind of, you know, respite from it. And he still didn't get it. And that's how you had to show him, like, literally invading a culture. And then he fucked around and found out and we're supposed to feel bad for him. Yeah. Like that was my biggest failing with his whole story is like, I, I don't feel bad for you. Yeah. I mean, he's like, oh, you know, I was a Christian missionary and I went to Peking and I tried to introduce Christianity to China and I was persecuted during the Boxer Rebellion. Oh, and you're gosh. like, fuck off. Like, like you, you were you persecuting yeah <laughs> i oh my gosh that is oh it's, it's triggering being in america right now with that whole like older than now but i'm being persecuted uh, and i'm sure that's where most of my um dislike of that story comes from but it is it's this idea of like if that wasn't there i could have been behind his character mm, like if it yeah. was if it was something that was genuinely tragic that happened to him um but this is a he was an invasive speech and maybe it's intentional. Maybe it's the idea of like, yeah, he was the invasive person who came in and tried to rewrite some, some religious history on someone else's land versus, and he was the opposite of successful Mm. as far as like the, the three were, but I mean, even at the end of the movie, they're not, they're clearly not that successful. Like they, it it doesn't end well. Mm. And I guess like the goddess kind of represents any sort of indigenous land that has been taken over by white colonists and Mm -hmm. is being kind of bled dry, basically. Um, Literally, yeah. Yeah. And like uh, appropriated for Mm -hmm. 
a white colony's need. Um, obviously, like coming from Ireland, and even though we, obviously we are a Caucasian white nation, we were colonized by Britain and mm-hmm. all of our culture and all of our land and everything was taken from us by the Brits. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like, like, yeah, you can kind of see that like the goddess represents those indigenous beliefs, those indigenous faiths, the indigenous lands. Mm-hmm. And like, I kind of liked that symbolism, but I don't know whether Thomas was like you said, I don't know whether he's meant to be likable or not. Cause I didn't really like right. him. <laughs> I didn't like, I kept waiting for him to have this soft moment and I'm like, nope, he is just, he's just doing his thing. I don't want to say he was like, he was like a dick, but like, he wasn't. He was abrasive, mm. but not like aggressive, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, I was more, I was so taken by how much, I don't say like this movie hates women, but it feels like that. It, or it feels like the three it was so aggressive towards this whole movie was so aggressive towards women. There was so much um, like just violent visuals against women. I mean, the goddess number one, like even if it's feeding her, she's constantly covered in blood. Mm. Uh, And there's that scene where Michael Sheen cuts his hand to feed her, but he also looks like he's smothering her. Mm. Like he's smothering her with his hand, but it's also feeding her. So it's, uh, it's just it's it's such a visual for I think of like abusive relationships mm. of this idea of like he's killing you but also feeding you yeah um almost all the young women <laughs> in this movie that that awful scene um with Quinn Quinn and his daughter where he um I mean trigger trigger warning this is kind of a heavy subject but when he like force forcefully aborts a baby out of her and just I mean he basically just murders her. Um, obviously Thomas's sister who is tied up and left in the square. And the only person who shows her kindness is another woman. The only person who showed Quinn's daughter kindness was her sister. Um, to me, the, the movie just like really showed that like, you know, sorry, white men just suck and like women help women. And it was, it was sad, but also, I don't want to say inspiring. I wouldn't even say inspiring. It just was a, a sobering view of um, women's relationships and how like there is a sisterhood and a woman, a group of women can help each other. Hmm. Um, especially when uh, the sister is tied up in the square and um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting her name. I just know she had the most beautiful, bright, vibrant red hair. Um, <laughs> the love interest. Uh I keep wanting to say Joe, but I know that's not right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Andrea? Yes. Sure, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Sure, that one. (laughs) She she brings her food, and she's like, don't drink it too fast. It'll make you sick. And she gives her a blanket, and she makes the people leave her alone. Like, it was a moment where, like, my first reaction was like, if you're being so nice to her, why don't you let her go? Like, Mm. but then it's also, like, she knows that if she did that, they would both just get killed. So, like, it was, it was... It, again, it was a rough watch. It was a rough movie, mm. um, especially the the scene with the father and daughter, um, and then the scene after it where uh, he blames the girl's boyfriend for the murder, even though he's like covered in blood. Mm. Uh, and you're like, um, if we could just take five minutes here and just think critically about the situation, 
one person is not covered in blood. One person is. So like, uh, it just, it was, uh, it was a hard movie. It was a hard movie to watch. Um, and it, I mean, you could say it was horrifying just in a very realistic way. Yeah. For me, the female characters kind of represented um, the treatment of females within not just a cult, but also from the wider co- community, mm-hmm. um, kind of their treatment from patriarchy. So we've got um, Fionn, who has her reproductive rights basically literally ripped out of her ripped away from mm-hmm. her which is very poignant for what's going on at the moment amen um and then we have the goddess who like you said it's kind of an abusive relationship it's mm-hmm. um kind of being made to be so vulnerable that you can't help but have to depend, depend on these men exactly yeah. and then we've got um andrea who is brought up in this society that she has to almost adopt these patriarchal roles just to get by just so she doesn't get killed mm-hmm. um and then obviously jennifer is just used as an object as um you know something to barter basically yeah she um, becomes she's just currency ba- basically yeah. human trafficked <laughs> like yeah. so it's very poignant in those kind of regards yeah it's so uh, it's 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 funny because it came out you say 2018 right mm-hmm uh, in the, the I guess the hedge of the Trump era, like, and it, I feel like you can feel it. You know how when we look back on films that were made during Vietnam, and those those themes are so present. I feel like we're starting to get to a point where we can look back at movies that were made between 2015 and 2021, 20, and we're like, oh wow, you can like I think of the Purge movies as like a prime example. Absolutely. Um, and this is just from like an American perspective because I'm uh, associated with it. Um, but it's, it is, it's one of my biggest pet peeves when people say that horror isn't political and it's, you always see, it's always a bearded white guy on Twitter who (laughs) is yelling at Fangoria because they're keep your politics out of horror. It's like horror has always Always, been political. Horror is built on politics. And like, if you are getting like offended and upset, you need to not yell at the editor of a magazine, maybe reflect on why you're so upset about it. Um, and it's okay if you're upset that like it's offensive. Why is it offensive? Is it offensive because you know it's happening and you're not saying anything, or is it offensive because you know you've done it and you haven't felt bad about it until now? Um, but this movie, I feel like uh, it is a, a very timely movie as far as like when it was made. It feels very timely, and it's it's interesting how they do take the the subject of a cult, whereas like in um, House of Devil, it was it was like a hidden secret. That was there, but you didn't know about it. Whereas in this movie that was made in a more current time, the cult is up front, it's center, you know what's happening, and he still is powerless. Like he he just has to deal with it around him. And it feels very current with today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so would you recommend Apostle to horror fans? Oh, that's a hard one. Um initially I would say 50 50 like um i'm not a huge fan of period horror and this is gonna sound um so like someone who likes fashion dolls i like period (laughs) horror that has like beautiful costuming like dracula because i like it for the costuming um a lot of the political aspects of period horror kind of turned me off because i i i mean 
call me crazy. I don't think women should be oppressed. Um, and there's, <laughs> there's just so much of it in, in period writing. Um, but I would say, yeah, I mean, I think I'm also a person who I think you could recommend every movie to anyone. Um, I, I'm a firm believer that like, there's no bad movies. Like nobody intentionally makes a bad movie. It's just, it depends on the audience. You know, I, I love a ton of movies that people don't like. Um, I will, I don't don't want to say it out loud, but I loved, I I wouldn't say loved in retrospect. I liked the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Okay. Um, It's controversial, controversial yet brave opinion. Um, I liked it. I didn't love it, and I definitely wouldn't place it above the original. Um, but for what it was, I'm like, yeah, I mean, it was my taste. It was like hot young people pretending to be teenagers <laughs> getting murdered. Like, I'm like, it introduced some cool Freddy lore. So, like, there's no such thing as, like, a bad movie. I would I would recommend Apostle, especially if you if you're somebody who needs to have a stark, sobering visual about what is happening in the world but you don't want to watch the news. I think that's a great movie to just like test out the waters and see, see how yeah. uh, harsh it is lately. Yeah. That's a really good way of putting it. Um, I would recommend it to people who like the, the witch. Um, very much, yeah. That oh, kind very of much. vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, like yourself, I'm not mad into dark period dramas. Um, mm-hmm. Like yourself, I'm a very visual person. I love costuming. So if it was to be, period i want to see like i want bridgerton i want candy (laughs) i want it to be i know bridgerton is not an amazing series but oh my gosh it's so beautiful to look at just the costumes yeah and the people yes i mean hey (laughs) um so out of the two films if someone came to you and was like i want to watch a film on cults a horror film on cults which one would you recommend over the other um i would say house of the devil um I just, uh, I think it is a, a broader idea of a movie that you can, um, you can, uh, more people I think could, could find enjoyment in it, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I just, because I do love a good satanic cult and I Mm. love its, love its entertainment value. Um, still camp. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's something that you can throw on and it's like, ha 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 cult. And then you know, you don't have to have some existential dread and <laughs> like yeah. you kind of do. It's going to make you question your existence. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, so can you recommend any other horror films that have cults in? Um, I don't know if this fully matches up. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say Cult of Chucky. I know it's on, on the surface, it's not a cult movie, but he does have a grouping of Chucky dolls that are a cult. Um, and if you're looking for camp, I mean, any Chucky movie is high camp. Yeah. Um, it's not a movie, but it is a TV show. Um, and I will only recommend the first season uh, of the following. Okay. It was a Kevin Williamson TV show. I think it was around 2011. Um, and it centers around uh, a, what I what I understand it is the unused plot of Scream 3, where it's, there's a serial killer. Um, and he is controlling a cult of people from jail to do his bidding. And it's like the, the true crimey side of it. It's, I, I really, really liked it. Don't watch the second season. The second season, they, it's one of those ideas that like, it's a TV show where like you have a banging first season 
and then you get picked up for a second season, but you have no idea where the story is going to go. That's what happened. <laughs> okay. Um, did their best. Definitely going to check that out. I, I would recommend Red State. I don't mm. know if you've seen that. That's quite a good cult one. That's very horrific. Um, I would, of, of course, there's Midsommar. Um, uh, yeah, it's classic. Yeah, and that's that's actually, Midsommar is a really interesting take on how easy it is to become assimilated into a cult. Mm. Um, obviously, from Florence Pugh's character's point of view. Um that's really interesting. Um, I don't know. Did you ever see the American Horror Story series cult? Um, did you I, watch that? I, I'm just gonna say it. I think it's not my thing. American Horror Story. I've really, I've really tried. I even watched um, Coven, and I dropped out halfway. My husband is a huge fan, so mm-hmm. I've, I've vicariously seen it while he's watching it. Um, but even cult, I don't think he did cult. Um, and also, again, American, it's it's too close to home in some places. Um, it's it's too many realistic fears. But I do know I know the general idea around it. Um, but I I don't know if I'd recommend anything Ryan Murphy. I know that it, <laughs> he just, just there. He made a TV show in like 2000 called Popular. I would recommend. Um, if you love a teen drama that ends up just becoming a show that makes fun of teen dramas. Did I watch that? I'm trying to think. There Was that the one? I Like, you know how everyone has that TV show or film that they've seen and they try and describe it to people and people like that didn't exist. They're like, you're but making that up? Yeah. I remember there was this, it might have been that, and there was like this girl, she was like the skinny popular girl. And then there was like, the the larger unpopular girl and they're chatting and the skinny popular girl's like you wouldn't want to be me because I sneezed and broke a rib once. Yes. Oh my god, that's it. Okay. What's funny is that line has always stuck out to me because I'm like, like I will sit and do the math. Like, how do you sneeze and break a rib? And even if you have an eating disorder, how <laughs> how do you sneeze and break a rib? And to me, that was like millennium uh, activism. Like it's like it means nothing. It's scientifically impossible. Well, I wouldn't say impossible. I'm sure it's possible. But, like, it is, it's crazy. And I think, I literally think that is the exact moment when the show is like, you know what we could do? We could just be crazy. There is, um, speaking of American Horror Story, one of the actresses, um, Leslie Gross, I think it's Leslie Gross? Mm-hmm. Um, she started with Ryan Murphy on Popular, and she played a character named Mary Cherry. <laughs> who was like a she was a southern recently incredibly wit rich uh moved to california became popular um and she plays a psychopath and i mean that literally like there is a scene where they there's like a pa announcement and they are doing like a career test and when it gets to her they're like or maybe a future psycho or a future serial killer and she like laughs and laughs it off and you're like no you're crazy like this is it's great. It's high camp. And it's like, if you love, like, I, I think I was 12 when it came out, 12 or 13. Um, and the fashion is just like peak millennium fashion. It's so sleek and like pastel metallic and it's beautiful. If you love clothes, this is a show to watch. Okay. Uh, what's her name? Leslie Grossman. I recognize yes. her. Yes. Um, yeah. It's funny. Cause when she was actually in cult American horror story cult as, um, Manson family gang me- member Patricia Krenwinkel. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that's that's a memorable name. 
exactly <laughs> <laughs> um so thank you so much for chatting about cults with me thank you for having me um so i just want to ask what is your favorite horror film uh i am going to be incredibly predictable and i'm gonna say scream okay it's my it's it's the first movie i was like fanatical about loving like, I love Child's Play, but when Scream came out, I was like, oh, I saw the trailers. I got to see it in movies. I saw, I've seen all of them in theaters. Um, so that's like, that franchise is my, like, my my home, my warm mm-hmm. spot. I yeah. love it. It's, it's very much a comfort movie. Like, even, mm-hmm. I've only seen the whole franchise very recently, uh, like, within the past year. But if someone's like, what's, you know, list out your, your comfort films, I'd put Scream in there. It is just, it's a, um, it's, it's so specific. Like the, it, it's, it relaunched horror and it launched a lot of movies that were trying to emulate that same level of like horror and humor, but still being genuinely scary. And I think that there's something about Kevin Williamson's writing that you just can't copy. It's just, it's not, it's not something you can emulate because there's a rhythm to it and there's a, a style to it. Um, and as much as I, I loved the new Scream that came out, uh, I love that they didn't try to copy what happened before. That they were like, we're just going to make a, a Radio Silence movie. We're going to use a lot of Scream essences, but we're going to do our own thing. And that's the best thing they could have done. Because um, it could have just come off as a copy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so thank you so much for being part of this cult episode. Yay. <laughs> cult, fun. <laughs> So that was my chat there with Bradley Ryan about cults. And we chat about Ty West's The House of the Devil from 2009, as well as Gareth Evans' uh, Apostle from 2018. So what did you think of this week's episode? Did you enjoy our little chat about cults? Do you think there are films that um, are better with their approach towards cults. What kind of cults are you into? What kind of cult? Well, not one. <laughs> Please don't be into cults. Cults are bad. Um, <laughs> what kind of cults are you into? I meant what kind of cults do you like seeing in the horror genre? Are you a big fan of the satanic cults or are you into kind of the true life inspired by something like, you know, the Brian Jonestown massacre? Brian Jonestown massacre, is that? Or the Jonestown Massacre. Was Brian Jonestown Massacre? They were banned, weren't they? The Jonestown Massacre. <laughs> I don't know. I'm on a lot of medication right now. Help me. Um, uh, I think Nope is out this week. Uh, you should definitely go see it. I got to see it at the Irish premiere last week. And it's fantastic. It's amazing. And I, it's amazing in a cinema setting as well. So just make sure you check that out. Um, And as always, stay horrific. Goodbye.